Hey, it's Optimus of Vaccine, and I'm Steve. It's been so long. How long has it been? Months? Well, years? Two less, weeks? I think, yeah. A little bit less, right. sure. But, uh, I mean, you, you guys have probably done an adequate job without me. Uh, I, I wouldn't know I didn't listen to any of the episodes. I'm sorry. Well, we, it's a couple of good episodes. I mean, how else are you going to learn about the Scanner sequels watching them? I, mm -hmm. I would suggest you just <laughs> listen to the fucking episode first. Well, I, I think... Really, it's a, you know, you got to look at the data that you get from these things. And the last episode that I did, probably our worst performing in three years. And then I'm gone for two episodes and two of our highest performing episodes. So we know what people like. We know what people don't like. It's pretty clear. They don't like Steve and Steve's back. <laughs> I I don't I I there's no correlation obviously because I am uh, objectively a much worse host, but uh, I do I have hosted some and of person. our highest uh, our highest uh, episodes for some reason. I mean, some of that has to do with just guests, but uh, I don't know. Impossible to say. Is this where we're supposed well, to call in and say, "No, Adam, you're great. You're, you're an good, amazing yeah. host." No, I mean I, I've happen. listened. I have listened to the episode. I'm I'm not so great. I stammer all over town and I, I sound like a fucking backwoods midwestern idiot i'm i'm just i don't have the uh, polish that steve brings to the table yeah you, you guys, know you, and, and you just... keep saying you keep saying sounds like instead of saying i am you know have you thought about that <laughs> it's true that's very you guys, true you guys should just let me host and then you we don't need anyone else on the the podcast we'll just free up everyone's <laughs> schedule <laughs> like, like you're like a conservative talk radio show host just like yelling into the ether for four hours yeah I mean, if jack hosted the show alone somehow the episode length would double <laughs> <laughs> i bet i bet i'd cover some really important stuff i'd probably make some good points oh yeah it's gotta happen that's eventually. why we call you we call you art house rush limbaugh man oh man that's <laughs> shit someone on twitter is gonna make that the donald yeah. trump film account <laughs> well listen I'm, i am glad to be back it was it was lovely visiting all your relatives jack uh, i made wonderful. sure every single irish person i encountered i asked them if they knew you you know that's what you got to do irish people like when you do that they so. do yes absolutely i'll be i'll be checking in when i visit next month make sure you you tipped everyone appropriately oh so also, how long I, into your trip was it before you realized you were just in boston Oh, <laughs> moments in. Now, Boston doesn't have this many fucking sheep, man, because if I was in Dublin, you know, it's, that's one thing. But we, we went all the way across the countryside to Galway on the other side. And uh, yeah, just it's endless sheep, sheep everywhere. You like you got to stop your car on these narrow ass fucking Love roads. Love a good sheep. And then sheep come come walking. In. Yes, they're, they're very nice. Uh, they're no, they're not got, nice at all. They're grizzled little bastards. But yeah, yeah. I also like how, how people spray paint them. So like, cause these sheep just wander around. So the farmers are like, oh yeah, I'm a red X with a blue stripe or whatever. So I was coming up with my, my next big money-making scheme. If you guys want to get in on the ground floor, we basically, we start a small farm, right? And we, pre we pretend like we're sheep guys and we figure out our neighbor's color schemes for their spray paint. 
And we just do like a slight modification. So they're like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm the red stripe guy. And then our other neighbor, I'm the blue stripe guy. Great. I'm the purple stripe guy. And then I go around to their sheep and I get them purpled. And then uh, we, we basically corner the sheep market in Ireland. <laughs> I'm not sure if the color mixing works quite that way. There's not a lot of transparency to spray paint, unfortunately, but uh I, don't I mean, know. but I, I, I think I think there's there's potential here. So and I, really, if you if you look across the world and you say who out there really needs to be exploited, and I'm thinking it's the Irish farmer at this point, right? It's probably their turn. Sure. I mean, crypto's failing as we speak, so yeah, might as well get yeah. into the the sheep market. Yeah, sheep could be the like organic flesh and blood crypto. <laughs> they shouldn't have switched over to Spud Coin. Sp- Yep, that, that was their biggest mistake. Yeah, I, I did, so did you like stock up on, I feel like that's the only reason I would go to Ireland. I'd be like, well, time to buy like uh, a few hundred dollars worth of wool clothing that would cost a few thousand dollars in America. Oh, the, the wool clothing is very nice. Uh, the alcohol is lovely and so, so, so cheap. Just stuff that would cost you a hundred bucks for a bottle in the U.S. is like 40 bucks there. Also went to the gunpowder gin distillery. Gunpowder Gin, if you're listening, please sponsor us. Amazing stuff. Bought a big bottle, realized, oh shit, all we brought were backpacks. We're not checking bags. We can't take this home. Had to drink a whole bottle of gin. So uh, yeah, I I would recommend drinking Gunpowder Gin, but also thinking about things before you make decisions. Those are are my two big takeaways from Ireland. That's yeah, a bottle of gin in a night is uh, pushing it. Yeah, but you know... Do what you got to do. You got to make sacrifices sometimes. Uh, but yeah, overall, 10 out of 10 trip. Uh, I only wish that I was here to tank our numbers on the podcast more. So I'm back. <laughs> don't, don't worry about I, it. I think the movies will help us with that one. Once, once Yeah, we... maybe they will. Well, no, this <laughs> is, this is going to be one of those great episodes where I feel like there's, there's a fan base for this. And... We're going to get them to tune in because they'll be like, oh boy, they're doing this movie. And then they're not going to be happy with, with what they hear. No, I mean, not only would I insult the, the films, I would also insult their, the, the audience that loves them generally. You know, this I, is, I feel like that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not happy, yeah. with, I'm not happy with, with the films personally, so they can be not happy so, with me. If, if you are a big Giver guy or gal, let me tell you something. This, this, if you want maybe a different opinion of the thing that you may hold dear, please continue to listen. Maybe it'll be insightful. Maybe you'll say, you know, they bring up a couple good points. But honestly, this is going to be like, like if, if you were walking down the street and saw a storefront and, the, and it just said, do you like ice cream? Come on in. And then so you open the door and immediately Myros is standing there. He goes, fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> you fucking idiot. What the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? Yeah, pretty much. And, and you know, Caveats do exist here. I, I maybe you're a fan of the manga or the anime. Yeah, I mean, true. We're both not of those things. That. I would, right. No. I mean, I I personally, uh, you know, take umbrage with all things manga and anime. But uh, we'll, we'll leave that aside for now. Uh, we're speaking solely of the film adaptations. Which, if you're a fan of those, it's time to grow up, people. <laughs> also, I I would like to remind everyone we do have a, a Patreon, so. If you would like to pay $25 to dictate an episode, you could make Myros watch the Guyver anime. Or since he's, you know, uh, 
he says he doesn't like it at all. Maybe you want to watch, maybe you want to make him watch uh, uh, Naruto. You know, you can do that. What? <laughs> Well, well, we got like ideas. a time limit on this thing. What are there like ten thousand hours of Naruto? Or <laughs> oh, now you're putting up guideposts for the Patreon subscribers. Uh, uh, five hours maximum. That's that's the prep time. <laughs> five hours of Naruto. How many episodes of Naruto is that? Well, probably about ten, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, you probably get like <laughs> one tenth of a season. I think probably more. <laughs> 15 is it's like three episodes oh, an like hour that. probably if we're going off i like that standard you know and i, I think mm, within that you could probably tell whether you want to watch another 800 or or not well i think i could tell you right the fuck now jack <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's a shame that that's Man, why are you not more inquisitive about the bucks world burning a hole in their pocket right now i think <laughs> well let's let's actually get to what we're here to talk about and I want to I want to take you all back in time. We're going to hop in the time machine to a magical, magical time where sometime between like the late 80s and the early 90s, a few magical ingredients combined and some very strange things were happening in independent cinema. Uh, one of those things was for some reason, if you were a particularly uh, well-liked uh, an ambitious special effects artist who was respected in the industry. You could just make a movie. I mean, this is how we got killer clowns from outer space. Um, <laughs> and this is also how we got the work of Steve Wang and Screaming Mad George. So, in 1990, okay, the highest grossing independent film up until... Blair Witch Project in 1999, so a full like decade run here, became the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I didn't even know was an independent movie. I always thought it was just a big studio joint. Technically, no, an independent it was movie. independent, and then it was uh, eventually distributed by New Line, I believe. New Line, yeah. yep. And wasn't yep. Gold? I think Golden Harvest were involved too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a weird film, and directed by an Irish guy. Very oh, peculiar see? film. Yeah, a lot of people thought I was just like rambling on about my vacation, but we, we were going to tie it back. Don't worry. That's it. <laughs> all, all ties together. All ties together. So, funny thing happens. This movie makes a gazillion dollars, okay? And not only does it make a gazillion dollars, but it does it in a very interesting way because it was based on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book, which I'm sure you've heard before is, I won't quite say it's adult, but it's a little more mature than your average comic book. And so it was, it was kind of a darker interpretation of something that is relatively childish, you know, the, the action figures and the cartoon and all that stuff. But the movie used the comic book as its true source material. So what you get is you get a kid's movie, and it's definitely a kid's movie, but it's kind of fucking dark. And mm. it was a PG kids movie. And I mean, there's there's some real pretty serious violence and fighting. Uh, Raphael yells damn really loud, which, boy, you want to see my mother's brow furrow in 1990. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, she didn't like that, but it, it was able to walk this line between something that was, you know, cartoony and clearly for children. And for God's sake, it's about, you know, guys and rubber turtle suits you know giant mutated turtles that do karate and it still had a little bit of an edge to it so one year later brian usna producer 
great director. Okay? He hooks up with his buddies, <laughs> Screaming Mad George and Steve Wang, who you may know from the world of special effects. Screaming Mad George, um, he's known for things like Predator, The Abyss. Um, oh, God. He did one of the Silent Night, Deadly Night sequels. It's Society special is effects. probably the, the big showcase. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, too. The, oh, yeah, uh, the, the whole uh, cockroach. cockroach. Thing, yeah. mm -hmm. And here's the thing about Screaming Mad George. Uh, it, unless you're like a big horror film nerd, you might not know who he is. He's not, he's rarely the guy as a special effects artist. He's not like a Tom Savini where it's just like he's running the show. He's like a guy that was frequently brought in to do very unique, cool shit. And if you want to discuss special effects artists as kind of like auteurs in and of their own right, he's a great place to start because you can watch a movie where Screaming Mad George only has one effect and you can pick it out real fucking easy. <laughs> it's not hard. I think a, a great example of that is he worked on Big Trouble in Little China. And you guys remember the scene where like the guy's face like blows up and his eyes like pop out of his head? Screaming Mad George. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Bride Reanimator had a whole bunch of different effects teams working on it, and the Screaming Mad George section is pretty noticeable too. Mm hmm. Uh, it's kind of wild because he even did. I mean, we mentioned like he did like Silent Night, Deadly Night, and those effects are cool. Or uh, not the original Silent Night, Deadly Night. I think he did like four and five. And those might be the only notable <laughs> things about those movies, just his effects. Additionally, he did some, some bigger franchises, too. He worked on a Children of the Corn movie. and <laughs> Big, big franchise. It's, well, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. They're still making them. They're still making them. <laughs> I don't know who's watching them, but they're out there. Anyways, uh, it's funny because it's like Children of the Corn 4, who gives a shit? But his special effects in that are so good. Like, if you go look up pictures of it or, you know, scope out YouTube, look up the effects... Uh, they're great, and they almost stick out to the point of it kind of like derails the movie itself a little bit. Like they're they're totally different than the tone and everything else that's going on in the film. Uh, so he has that power as as an effects artist. Now Steve Wang uh, was known mostly as a sculptor. Also worked on Predator. Uh, he went on to direct Drive, not not the one with the with the scorpion jacket and the the brooding and the in the car. No, it's a different one. Different good Drive. One. Also, as a car, as a, yeah, it's got the the good car movie. That's the one. The one that I think Anyways, we've already put over like eight separate times throughout the years and in, in this yeah. podcast series because because Drive is whatever Adam Myris might think is is an optimism vaccine perennial favorite. We all love it. It is. We just never yeah, got around to good. watching any of Steve Wang's other movies. I, yeah. I don't mean to disparage this film. But it's just a, it's a it's a goofy mixture of like dumb American buddy cop thing and hardcore like Hong Kong action film and uh, one of those like the things, two greatest genres my friend well That's... I mean there's a difference between like late 90s buddy cap and like prime buddy cap that's that's what I would say I, I found some of the uh, like jokey stuff to be a, a little bit much nothing compared to what we're about to discuss yeah, I mean, you realize uh, that neither character in drive is a cop it, that that's fair enough, but it's got that <laughs> vibe. It's got like a whole midnight run. We're chained together thing for a while, and you know, it, it's definitely got like the that. That's that sort of thing. Whatever you want to call it. Well, 
somehow the stars aligned here and Screaming Mad George was able to get the rights to make a Guyver movie. And the concept here was, I mean, it was Ninja Turtles 2.0. It's, it's an anime thing. It's, it's a manga. Let's take this thing that is ostensibly a little bit more adult, but can clearly be marketed to children, and we'll do kind of a darker movie for kids, sort of. So, Steve Wang, Screaming Mad George, they team up, and wouldn't you know, it's not really a Coen Brothers situation for them. Uh, a little bit contentious, and they kind of worked independently of one another on this. Steve Wang shot uh, all the fight scenes, Screaming Mad George did most of the dramatic stuff, and then they each kind of went back and forth on handling some of the different uh, effects stuff that they worked on. So. Two of the best in the business, working as directors for, I, I, I mean, I think the first time. And it's, uh, sure is something. The first <laughs> this is Giver. wild to think that Steve Wang directed, like, the fight scenes, considering the existence of, of Drive. Because this, these are some of the worst fight scenes you'll ever see in any film. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I think I, the I don't suits know. I'm not going to be as hard as you, okay? I would say, before we get into the minutia here, I liked Guyver enough for what it is, okay? And what it is, is if you were to, you know, it's like a top five Power Rangers episode. <laughs> so depending on how you feel about the Power Rangers, your mileage may vary. Uh, but <laughs> it looks amazing because the, the practical effects are... Uh, no joke as far as practical effects go, as good as it gets. Just j some real jaw-dropping shit in here. Yeah, that's very good. And it also features, if, if you're like a, a big 80s, 90s uh, horror buff, you like your genre cinema, it's got all your favorites. Literally every single one of your favorites is in this movie, okay? And some people who aren't your favorite, but it's still funny that they're in this movie. Uh, and that's, uh, that's about it. It's it's a bunch of individual pieces that, that make me think I should love it, you know? It's like, oh, monster karate fights, and all these actors that I love, and amazing special effects, practical effects, and it doesn't quite come together the way that I, I would hope that it does. But it's interesting. I don't regret the fact that I have watched this. It's something that is, you know, maybe not the most crucial thing in your life watching this movie, but... It's worth your time, I think. I, 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 maybe <laughs> it's not. I mean, there's. Would we get into the sequel? I'd say the exact opposite. Certainly, I, I won't go so hard on this one. But I, I kind of knew from the text scroll. I was like, well, this isn't. This isn't what I want to be watching right now. Because I, I don't know what Star the fuck Wars is happening. Crawl. Yeah, about like <laughs> from the beginning of time, the the fucking zoetropes and the zoids were fucking zip zapping around, and I'm like, what? What the fuck are we saying here? Like, what is all of this shit? And uh, well, that's a yeah. question you'll you'll find yourself asking throughout the duration of these two films: is what the fuck is all of this shit, and why do I care? <laughs> it, it's frustrating that it starts with like a text crawl, and like. I'm like, that's good, right? Generally speaking, for a genre movie, text crawl to me is good because it's like an exposition dump and then they don't have to deal with it. But then they still end up with like, where's the guy ever come from? We have this, you know, white guy karate 
person. He's like the least charismatic man in the world. I just, I couldn't, even in the middle of the movie, I'd forget what the main actor looked like. Uh, like he'd show up on screen, it's like, who's that? Oh shit, no, that's the main guy. Okay, he's he's out of the guy for a suit. Uh, you like know, a but it's like it's Hellman's with a bowl cut. Yeah, yeah like, you just gotta. That's how, that's his distinguishing feature. Is he has the worst haircut I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and that's it. And it's like, so you know, text crawl, opening text crawl, great. Let's get all this crap out of the way so we can get to the monster karate action. And instead, it's like, no, we're right back down to like losing the Giver unit and some white dude picking it up and learning about how to use it and it's like 40 minutes in before he's the guyver and it's like god we, who cares about this stuff like no one is picking this up to find out about the time before the guy was the guyver like just yeah, yeah no skip no, it. no like also like i don't give a shit about any of this stuff in the text scroll i mean i get it anime <laughs> woo but like uh, the guy finds a fucking uh, power suit. Great. That's all I really need to know. I don't want... Uh, let's never say the word zoonoid ever. Like, <laughs> what, what does this add to anything? <laughs> well, they have to explain why everyone in the movie otherwise just seems to transform into a, a like weird rubbery villain, a, like monster. Oh, I love the, the monsters too, because... It's like, oh yeah, so Steve Wang and Screaming Mad George, what do they work on? Well... Uh, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and Predator. And what do, what do the, all the monsters look like? They're like, <laughs> Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and Predator. They're cool. Yes. They're amazing. And God, just, they're so lifelike. I don't think I've ever seen, uh, like, rubber suits or puppets or anything like that that really have this many points of articulation and movement. Like, there's just little subtle movements in their ears and their eyes. And you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, how do you even do this stuff and the answer is you don't anymore and even by the time the sequel comes out three years later you don't anymore so yeah well i yeah. think a lot of it is is screaming mad george like this that's one of like the signature things of like when you see one of his effects is it's got a lot of moving parts that you don't see in a lot of even excellent uh, practical effects like mm -hmm. the the guyver itself both in suit and then before it becomes a suit has this sort of like spinning going on there's like it's almost like gear driven even though it's organic and it, it's got a very interesting look to it like it, it's it's a very excellent effect although again it, it's just the movie around it like no one can figure out how to activate the guyver well apparently the key is to smash your forehead into it while getting like while getting mugged by one of the like <laughs> rumble in the bronx comedy gangs that these movies have where the gang are all like every ethnicity imaginable of like and seem to be just comically i don't know like yeah. not threatening at all this is what jack's uh vision of every ethnicity imaginable is uh a black fat and woman yeah <laughs> close enough we're talking 1991 <laughs> those are my three favorite ethnicities <laughs> generally not like one white guy and then a majority of not white guys which is how you know they're coded as being ne'er-do-wells in american uh, yeah. cinema yeah, also and they got cut off jean jackets can someone explain this to me about <laughs> so annoyed, Scott. Fucking damn it! Uh, you love a zoonoid, don't you? Well, a like, are they like the product of some ancient experimentation, or are they the product of like uh, David Gale's uh, regular old uh, yesterday experimentation? Because in both films, 
the the protagonist falls for the daughter of a zoonoid, but the daughter doesn't seem to be aware of zoonoids. Is not a zoonoid. What what's going on with this whole thing? <laughs> yeah, when zoonoids procreate, do they procreate with? Like their human parts or their zoonoid parts. I mean, I guess this would make more sense if David Gale was just cooking up zoonoids. So maybe they weren't zoonoids at the time of uh, of procreation. But uh, yeah, th- that doesn't that seem be to be what the text scroll implies. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Like I don't know because we we do see human beings cooked into zoonoids, and you got to make of. sure you cook them long <laughs> enough, or boy, are yeah. you in trouble. And but but then there's all this like ancient alien civilization stuff about them. So I don't know if it's a situation where, you know, you can grow one or you could just find one naturally. I don't. But <laughs> I if, no they, if they exist naturally and they fuck a human, then the human, the, the child is, is not a zoonoid. I, Maybe the question, we may have free range zoonoids versus, you know, in captivity zoonoids. Who knows? You know, we're. Artificial, yeah. I can't believe it's not zoonoid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys just, you haven't answered my, my daughter question here. I, I, it's also perplexing. I, I don't need really want to think scroll. about this movie, Adam. I'm not, I don't think we well, need to expend any, any extra effort on this. You, you do bring up a good point, Myros, which is, I, I gave a lot more thought to the, the daughter slash love interest character than I probably should have. In both movies, actually. Yeah. Uh, in the first Giver specifically, the story, despite the constant insistence on complicating it, the basic story is there's a thing called a Giver. It stops the buggy alien men. It's the only thing that can really stop them. And so the buggy aliens, the Zoonoids, are trying to get it. And one of the scientist guys steals it, but then he loses it. And some schlub. Uh, he finds it, but the twist of Rue is the scientist who loses it and is killed. Uh, his daughter is dating the schlub guy, the mayonnaise with the bowl cut. And so you would actually think I mean, this, this should be her story, right? Because she has actual motivation. And instead, what we have is this horrible protagonist who has zero motivation to do anything has no on-screen presence or charisma to speak of. And then he is in a relationship with the daughter character. And I have never seen like a colder relationship displayed on screen in my entire life. Like (laughs) it's, it's distracting the lack of chemistry. Like sometimes you're like, Oh, they don't really have chemistry. This is like, I thought that she was going to reveal herself as a bad guy or something. Cause I was like, they seem like they really fucking hate each other. I don't. <laughs> what are well, yeah, they doing? I'm, I'm not sure because I mean his his main move is after her dad dies, he goes over to comfort her. But like he honestly, he's going over to like trying to move in on her. It's like he's just a kind of piece of shit in the movie, and he just happens to get the Giver suit, which makes him strong, yeah. which makes him and, a and hero. And the thing is with the Giver suit, I I also have questions about this too because. It's got a, a couple of cool arm blade things and it's um, it gives you like super strength. But I don't think it naturally makes you good at karate. And when we are first introduced to our main character, the first thing we learn about him is he doesn't pay attention in karate class and is kind of shitty at it. So 
I don't, I don't know where that comes yeah, from. I mean, but. I don't know why he's the ultimate weapon, and it's like it's it just it's a suit with two blades on it. Like it, it accumulates yeah. new powers later on, but like it just doesn't. Like honestly, I don't even know if the Zoonoids are particularly dangerous to humans. Like it's they seem no, like you could just arms. they're bulletproof, but you can hit them really hard with blunt objects. That seems to work just fine. I think I think humanity mm-hmm. could weather this invasion if we really felt like it. Yeah, yeah, and they like also seem hard. to like they they seem to not have any powers when they're not in monster mash form. They're like they they seem to just kind of. Well, I, I guess that's not explored so much in this film, but uh, well, in future installments, I would say their human forms seem entirely vulnerable to uh, the same things we would be. I I don't know. It, it it's all nonsense but uh as much as we might praise the effects of this film that uh, that old blade thing they, they really should have rethought that at times like there is no rigidity to this uh elbow blade and there's a, a scene a really protracted boring ass fight scene uh in the middle of the film where he he kind of uses these blades for the first time and instead of having like them retract they just like play out the rest of the fight with them like flopping around because they're just like pure rubber <laughs> they're organic they, they're soft <laughs> when, when they need to be yeah i mean speaking of the action like i think that the key between the action between this and guyver 2 is koichi sakamoto's involvement uh who is also the action choreographer on drive and was a mainstay of, like, Power Rangers. He did all the stuff for Power Rangers, I believe, for many, many years. And he's a really great fight coordinator. Uh, he is not involved in the Guyver, the original film. And it shows. And and I think also they're probably working out the costume tech. And I think definitely they went for more elaborate costumes that maybe are difficult to move in. Or, like, you can do a surprising mm. amount of movement in them, certainly. I think, like we said, the special effects are really very impressive, but, like, you can't really have an actual martial arts fight that's going to liven up the screen. You know, it's... it's no. Everything's well, very Because not only can you not move, you're going to die, because it's, there's, those things aren't air-conditioned. <laughs> you're in a rubber suit. Yeah, you probably can't see anything. It's... I, I imagine... For the the little action they actually managed to capture on screen in this movie was probably logistically extremely difficult. The problem is it's it's like it's like movies like Thunderball's underwater sequence. You know, the James Bond movie. I've discussed this in like For Your Eyes Only. Like it's one of those action sequences that's logistically incredibly difficult. It's really impressive they did it. It also just is kinda really boring on screen and really slow. It just it's just like a, a slow action sequence that you're kind of sitting through checking your watch it's like they're still going. OK, it's just, it's bad idea. And that's really the guy for through and through just is bad ideas writ large. I mean, we, we kind of like Steve, you mentioned at the start and I, I like really what draws me out of this more than anything else is the uneven tone of like a kind of dark kids movie. But like, honestly, the the humor in this thing is like so juvenile i think even kids would find it boring um but also juvenile but like utterly kind of removed from from what kids would even like i mean one of the main things is this is one of the sidekicks is played by a uh, good times jimmy walker who the dynamite keeps, guy who keeps, yeah who keeps saying dynamite uh, and teriyaki sauce for some reason they just edit that vocal clip there's an opening fight in a storm drain like an LA storm channel and for some reason like they just keep using the clip of him saying teriyaki sauce over and over again uh, randomly throughout it. it's really disconcerting 
Um, just, but you know, this stuff, it's not, fu- I don't think kids are going to find it particularly funny or interesting. And of course, it just means that dramatically the movie is inert. There's no weight to anything that happens. And then the fights are boring. And so you're just kind of left. And, and then the, the, like, this thing reunites half the cast of fucking Reanimator, which mm-hmm. makes no sense because it is a kid's movie. Well, then you got Jeffrey Combs. Instead of playing Dr. West, he plays Dr. East. Dr. East. I mean, like, what a, that's like, <laughs> that's, that's actually a great joke, but not for a Guyver movie. Not, <laughs> not for a children's movie. <laughs> Nothing here makes sense. Even to enter like weird stuff like they hire Michael Berryman, one of the most distinctive faces in horror, and then he transforms into a monster for most of his role. They found a guy who specifically has crafted a career out of looking odd and unusual and decided to then make a whole new monster to replace him throughout most of his scenes in the movie. It's just a really weird, haphazard film, and it just... It's incredible. It just never clicks. Like, there's no point in this movie where it feels like it's settled down and they figured out what they're doing. This this honestly is like a, a hundred minute long trial run. Uh, and yet still somehow, yeah, probably the better of the two, which is yeah, geez. really Boy, saying they got something. Through the, the practice for the big game. Boy, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, 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 you're right. This movie is far too dumb for children, but it seems like about 50% of anime fans online really seem to think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot imagine. Like, I don't know how many times you could watch this as a kid and like come out going like, yeah, fond recollections. I'd sit down and watch this again. Like it's, I mean, other than the suits, there is nothing here. Like it's cool that they are able to walk around in the suits. That's mm-hmm. cool. Everything else here sucks ass. Yeah. Well, and, and the turtles would have been a, a good lesson for this movie just because, you know, there, there's a seamlessness to the monsters and the Giver here, and that makes them look amazing, but also very restrictive. The smart thing they did with the Ninja Turtles puppetry stuff is, and I'm sure they're still, they were still hot as hell and difficult to move in, there's almost like points of articulation, like on an action figure where the suits break so you can actually like move your legs. So and it's good, too, because it's a turtle shell, so it seems almost natural. Uh, but th- yeah, there's like there's like points so they can actually, you know, move their arms a little bit, move their legs a little bit. And it works uh, and they can do actual fight choreography sometimes in, a tur- in the while well, the first turtles movie eh, second, maybe a little bit. Third, not so much. Uh, but yeah, here it's everything is just so ornate that's like, God, I, I I can't even imagine walking three feet in one of those suits. And, you know, here's Michael Berryman <laughs> or the guy, the, the the fighter playing Michael Berryman in a giant monster suit, just trying to do headbutts and karate chops. And I'm just like, holy shit, that's not even <laughs> rest assured. It's not Michael Berryman. No, Michael Berryman, he'd be dead. <laughs> Yeah, um, this is, yeah, that, I guess that's the difference is, I mean, Ninja Turtles, as much as it wasn't like some high budget thing, still had like Jim Henson working on this shit, which not to, uh, not to disparage the effects guys here because they're fantastic, but their, their expertise is something different from, you know, like it's this fantastic, sort of, but it doesn't like, like we can, we can all acknowledge these special effects are not around to make 
the rubber monsters the focal point of martial arts battles. That's why in right. Power Rangers they have the, the dudes in leotards, the bad guys, that they always fight. That's why they mm -hmm. were there, so the rubber monster didn't have to try and do that. Very sensible. Yeah, yeah, frankly, this movie would be far better if there were not a single karate fight scene in it. Unfortunately, it would also be like 20 minutes long because the whole thing is just like these boring ass fucking chase fight scenes that are terrible. We didn't even really talk about homeless Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Can you talk about, okay, so, so think about this. It's about a rough year, 1991. <laughs> Let's say that you're a kid, like you're, you're like seven years old or whatever, and you see Star Wars, okay, and you, 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 it's your favorite thing. You see it in the theaters, favorite thing in the whole world. And then years later... <laughs> You turn on like fucking the sci-fi channel at 10 p.m. and you catch Giver or you see Giver at the video store in 1991. You go, oh, wow, Mark Hamill, who is probably top billed because Mark Hamill. Not only is he. Sorry, that, that's a that's a, a tornado warning there. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Yay. We're going to keep talking about Giver till Jack literally dies. <laughs> I was going to say shit off. <laughs> I was going to say, Steve, not only is Mark Hamill uh, top build in the Giver, but if you look at like the DVD cover, it would it would clearly imply that Mark Hamill is, in fact, playing the Giver. He's that playing he, the Giver. It's like half a, a Giver face and half a Mark Hamill face. No, it turns out Mark Hamill plays a, a well, he looks like a homeless man. And he just kind of broods around with arguably the dirtiest, worst mustache I've ever seen. And uh, he's pretty useless. He's just supposed to be this grisly CIA guy. And then the best part is, and this is where your childhood is destroyed. If you're, uh, you know, young and you see this, you're a big Star Wars fan. Mark Hamill uh, turns into a giant bug. Like some real fucking metamorphosis <laughs> shit. This is the best scene in the film, I must say. Oh, it's great because it's Mark Hamill turning into a bug. And it's also, honestly, one of the best special effects sequences I have ever witnessed in my entire life. It's just like a master class. It's amazing. It's also just insane. Like, what, what the fuck are we doing narratively? You're like, oh, no, Mark Hamill's going to turn into a bad guy. <laughs> like, they've programmed him to be a zoonoid. And then he just turns into a bug and dies. Yeah, that's great. And they're like, oh, didn't cook him long enough in the zoonoid juice. <laughs> and the final effect is like a giant cricket with like Mark Hamill's face painted on the top of it. It's so good. That's the best. <laughs> But yeah, like every single kid, like I just want to find a, a, like a six year old or something, five year old. I want to show him Star Wars for the first time, show him all the, you know, the original trilogy, get him all fucking hyped up. Right. And then just throw on Guyver after that. See where that <laughs> takes him. Just break him. Break him. It's uh, it, it is quite a thing. In, in fact, I bet that's floating around on YouTube. So if you do have any interest in Guyver. I would say start with Mark Hamill turning into a bug. Gauge your reaction. Maybe you want to watch more. Maybe you don't, but, you know. Uh, he, he really is not a great actor, though. <laughs> I, I, and it's funny because compared to the, the lead, who's played by, is it Sean Baker? Not that Jack one. Jack Armstrong, yeah. I believe, is the Jack actor Armstrong. playing Sean Baker. The oh, Sean Baker's the character. Sean Jack Barker. Armstrong is the, Yeah. Uh, 
Either way, whatever his name is, he's awful. Has no business being the lead in this movie. I don't think he brings a lot of charisma to the screen. Also, it's not like the part is particularly well written for him. So it's just, it's bad. And that's the only reason why you're like, man, wish Mark Hamill had a bigger role here because Mark Hamill also given a D minus performance. But when you're up against an F, you look a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's not say Mark Hamill's not a good actor. I think over the years he's, he's proven that he I is. Think, I just think that I think he's a great point. voice actor. Okay, well, but there's a reason why he does voice acting. You don't catch him on screen very often these days. I mean, as again, let's let's just fucking cool it, internet. Shut the fuck up. But uh, this, if you watch like Last Jedi, I think he's given a pretty compelling performance in that thing. He's he's one of the, the aspects of that that really kind of sings. I I like Mark Hamill, but I, there's a certain like you know almost twenty year period where you're like, what the fuck are you doing, Mark Hamill? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm just trying to piss off people universally. I want I want all the the anime boys to come for us. I want the Giver heads to come for us. I want Star Wars people to come for us. I want people well, who I mean, don't like Star Wars to come for us. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, we piss off the internet more by by praising the Last Jedi than we would by, <laughs> by criticizing it. So that's uh, it is it is a movie. It's a fucking Star Wars movie. But it, it, I and a lot of people take issue with mark hamill's performance in that film but personally for me i I don't know i thought it was one of the only interesting things occurring in a star wars maybe maybe you just like grizzly mark hamill because i think last jedi mark hamill and like cia garbage stooge mark hamill are kind of the same in a lot of ways we'll say (laughs) they look similar sure but (laughs) but in the guyver i again perhaps it's the fact that the fact that there's not really a director, it's just two effects men fiddling around, probably does not help the uh, their performances here, because uh, there are not good ones. I mean, uh, I guess you could say, like, David Gale and, uh, yeah, all that stuff in, in like, the lab is, is fine, but it's also quite brief. Uh, I was uh, briefly traumatized by the fact that David Gale's introduction to the film involves a... Uh, a scanning scene of sorts. He's using like some sort of crazy psychic powers on uh, Michael Berryman. And I was like, after watching four scanners films last week, I was like, Oh Christ, we're not going to be fucking doing this again. I have a question. Yes. So, and this one's for Jack, actually, Jack, do you think because the Giver is so pro CIA, it's actually part of the MK ultra project <laughs> that's true the mk ultra project screwed up a lot of people made them very unhappy and i guess the guyver will probably have similar similar effects on people i just feel like i don't know it, it feels like it should be more memorable this this just isn't enough no it really isn't enough but you know maybe maybe you didn't love guyver I, I found its charm just enough, and it's it's just weird enough, and it's it's such an oddity that I was like, okay, I can yeah, take it's this. like ninety minutes long. You'll see some cool special effects. You'll get through it. Yeah. Now, someone decides we need a sequel to Guyver, and what a fabulous opportunity! Because I, I look at Guyver and I see potential. I see so much potential, 
And Screaming Mad George is like, fuck, no, I'm not doing another Guyver movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that. I, I can't confirm this one way or the other, but I I get the feeling that I don't know that maybe him and Steve Wang didn't have the best working relationship. I'm not sure. This is all speculation, but no interest from Screaming Mad George. Steve Wang says, sure, I'll do it. I'll direct. What, what do you need? And they said, and this is from a Steve Wang interview. They said, you can do whatever you want as long as it costs less than $1 million. That's it. <laughs> that, those were the rules set up for Steve Wang when making Guyver Dark Hero. Jesus, this is what he wanted to make. He had, he had carte blanche and he's like, all right, a fucking cave. <laughs> what he wanted was like an hour of archaeology exposition. <laughs> Well, and that's where I think this movie is very scrappy, but not in a particularly endearing way for me. But you can you can see the wheels turning because they do this in in uh, Power Rangers all the time where any of there, there's like four sets in a Power Rangers season. <laughs> it's like no sets at all. And anytime they're fighting, they're just like outside at a rock quarry. That's where all the the action se sequences take place. And so I think for him, if you if you want to save money on a movie, what do you do? Take him to a fucking cave. Take him into the middle of the woods. You know, I mean, this is all it's it's easy on your budget. However, it's also really not visually compelling or particularly interesting. So, I mean, there's an entire zoonoid Guyver fight where they're just in like knee deep water, just like rolling around with each other. Which again, um, which again feels more like them boasting that the suits are waterproof than any actual yes. cinematic effect. <laughs> it's like nice flex. <laughs> and the suits, once again, they look pretty good. As good as the first movie? No, but they look pretty damn good. Uh, now, we, we did mention the first Guyver movie. A little bit confusing with the story. Or maybe they establish a simple story in the first Guyver movie and then they kind of like muddy it up. I could say with 100% certainty I don't know what the fuck the story is to the second Guyver <laughs> I, cavemen. I could not even begin to unwrap this I, it's, it, it's a UFO that is in this cave and it is called to the Guyver uh, who is just going around killing uh, drug dealers yeah he's just uh, turned into a drug guy he's just a cop now yeah, he, the guy, guy was just a cop. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, well, he's like Batman. The cops, they hate him because he's violent and murders criminals. But uh, yeah, so he just is, he's running around killing drug dealers and then the spaceship calls him to Utah or some shit. And then he, uh, he, he flirts his way onto an archaeology team and... Uh, yeah, I, I guess also there is the, the evil... Kronos Corporation. Uh, you thought they were destroyed back in the first film, but now they're still oh. here. And Why were you wrong? Yeah, so the government and Kronos are both in this archaeology fucking dig site uh, with the archaeologists, uh, and they, they fight over the spaceship. That's the whole plot, I think, except for the, the whole thing with... With instead of a text scroll, let's let's try and have a, a flashback to caveman times where the zoonoids are fucking prodding cavemen with sticks or something. I don't know what the hell's happening. 
this is just it's, it's like, pretty ambitious it's and it's, it's two hours long yeah yeah Fuck. i mean that's what's un, unforgivable in this film is that it's got so many like i don't know why for a guyver sequel they decide let's ramp up the intrigue there's no intrigue in the guyver thing it's like is the government a good guy or a bad guy here's the Kronos corporation back what does it mean that the guyver makes our hero kill you know it's not him it's the suit except like, none of this is particularly interesting, and to put it into a movie, to make the movie an hour, or two hours and six minutes long is absolutely insane. That's like, I've seen movies that, like, pad for time to, you know, make, you know hit a contractual obligation to be feature length, to hit, like, 85, 90 minutes long. I've never seen one of those movies or a movie like that run on an extra 40 minutes on top. Christ. It's I, I love the way this guy pads too. Cause it's, it's this like real, like baby brain. I got to explain everything type of shit. Sorry, Steve Wang. I, I think drive is great, but this like some of the stuff they use for padding. A great example is the girlfriend from the first movie, uh, little miss, no chemistry. Keep in mind, we have we have switched Giver actors, okay? Mayonnaise bowl cut out the window. Solid Snake <laughs> is in. Yes. You're gonna be a the David Hater. Solid Snake. David Hater, yeah. He's in. So Solid Snake. But for some reason, they decide they have to include a scene where <laughs> his girlfriend's like, oh, Solid Snake, why do you keep killing people you should really not do it anymore and he goes oh it's the suit it's not me and then she's like well then i guess it's over if you can't stop doing murder just so he can fuck the archaeologist girl who looks like aunt becky from full house that's it like but you could have just you could have written the girl character the the, the female lead from the first Giver movie, you could have just written her off. Like, don't talk about her. Who cares? We, it doesn't matter. You switched guys. It doesn't. <laughs> like, nobody gives a fuck. And I don't think anybody's sitting there going like, wow, what happened to that girl? Like, no. Well, I think that that girl is the love interest in the manga slash anime. So probably every okay, asshole probably is watching does. this is going, what, what happened to Miyazuki? Still, that being said. <laughs> The first movie treats her like dirt. It should be her story. Like she has the closest connection. She should want revenge. She should be the fucking Giver. And the, the move, the first Giver film hates her. Hates her. Cannot stand her on screen. Like just oh, just brushes her away. And then the second movie's like, no, we did her dirty. We got to bring her back just so we could push her off a cliff. <laughs> like fuck. Who cares? And and it does this all the time. It's like you said, you know, oh, flashback to caveman times and we're going to putz around in a cave for 20 minutes. We're going to go to a archaeological dig site and try to establish some weird relationship between Solid Snake and Aunt Becky. It's all for nothing. All we want is we want violence because this movie, it sort of fixes two problems that the original Guyver had. One, it actually includes some gore, a little bit of blood. Maybe not enough for my taste, but a little bit. Good. I want that R-rated action. And two, it steps up the fight choreography. The fights are better. 
Like Why I said, right, they're better. Why is this movie rated R anyway? What the? What do they just want to make sure that no human on Earth would ever watch the thing? Like this, this is not. This doesn't read as an R-rated movie. I, I mean, like, no, they're leaning, they're leaning into the the manga, surely the anime potentially. You know, like every like people who watch like the the Giver anime, it was surely because there's blood and guts in it and action. Because you mm. can do I that mean, in animation. Most, well, let's face facts. Most people who are fucking reading or they're really into anime and manga you know probably a lot of them are under 17 I, i'm just gonna say regardless of mature content of this material yeah it's it still like appeals to a, a certain sure, subset but this thing is gonna make its money on video i mean did this even get a theatrical release i can't imagine no i don't, no, think so. I don't I can't imagine anyone would have sat through it in a cinema I, I, well, I can't imagine anyone sitting through it at home, frankly. If, if we did not have this podcast, I would have shut it the fuck off. Because Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. It is painful. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on this one because honestly, my issue with the Giver, the first one, is that the fight choreography sucks. I have no idea who the movie is for. It's basically a bunch of kids' jokes, but in a movie that otherwise doesn't seem to be for children. It's just not a very endearing film, and it's just really slow and boring. The Giver 2 fixes two things. The fight choreography is a lot better in this. It's not great. It's not going to really wow you in anything. It does have the Giver kick, famously now a trademark kick for Scott Adkins, who was gifted that kick uh, by, by the stunt choreographer here. I don't know if, it's, if it was uh, Sakamoto who did it or, or just the guy who was in the suit, but there's a specific kind of swinging kick, flying kick that's done in this movie that's... You'll see Scott Adkins do a lot in his movies, and it's kind of, it's his trademark now, but it originated with The Giver 2. Uh, it's in there. The fight choreography's clearly a lot better in here. It's It's got a lot more of, you know, just st actual action happening on screen. I swear in the first one, they just cut in the middle of everything. Nothing sticks together. And then also the R rating, whether or not it should be R rated or not, at least it is a coherent, it understands... There's like there's something tying it together. It's like, okay, we're going for an R rating, so we should have, you know, more violence. We should have they still don't they don't try and do anything sexual in this movie, which is honestly just as well, because no one here looks like they want to talk to anyone else who's on set at any <laughs> given time. Which seems to be a, a a recurring theme throughout both of these movies. But, you know, it's a more cogent film idea than the first one to me. But the pacing of Guyver 2 is unforgivable oh yeah like it is they just break everything else they fix two things they're like okay we're gonna smash 10 others <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah anytime it's like anything is conveyed to the guy we're like we're talking about oh he had this flashback or oh he figured out like his or like his purpose like how is that conveyed by him like stepping onto this like fucking piece of shit scaffolding spaceship set and like staring into this metal eyeball while the thing goes like <laughs> and that happens like five times in the movie it's like what the fuck are we doing like it is not a joke the first hour of this film is literally just people staring at a wall and talking to each other about and they're all they're like a good like the first half hour or so is them talking about the archaeology trip but it's all a, a clever ruse because they're not actually about dinosaurs at all they're about aliens and zoonoids which we all already know like the audience <laughs> understands they rented the guyver not an archaeology <laughs> film so it's just like but it takes just an 
achingly slow amount of time to reveal anything. Every this film feels like it's of like the the mode of like the Marvel movies now, where every single thing has to be said aloud on screen to confirm its reality. Like there is nothing is left to the imagination, and it's the most mundane, boring detail stuff no one could possibly care about. Like genuinely, and I'm not like I'm not exaggerating here the first hour of this movie could be cut down to about 20 minutes if you want to leave all the fights in but like you could just cut you could just be ruthless you could remove entire scenes sequences locations they are utterly irrelevant to the film and they're not entertaining in their own right either like it's not like we're showing up like a great bunch of cat you know uh character actors turning in great work that was in the first movie and they weren't even doing it there it was just sort of like funny it's like why is Linnea Quigley in in the Giver part one like the kids aren't gonna get that and adults are not like not gonna make up for the rest of the movie I don't understand they at least you know get things more coherent in Giver 2 by making everything uniformly dull uh but with an or rating and then it's just oh it's god awful and and listen, listen, the dull thing is, is one thing, because, I mean, you don't have to be bad, just don't be, or you don't have to be good, just don't be boring. Right. Okay? And I can still find something. <clears throat> but with this, not only is it boring, but it commits another sin where it has some of the most irritating sound <laughs> I have ever experienced. It is, like, literally, go, go online right now, and just type in like uh, rights free sound effects for movies and download a, a package of them in there. You will find every single sound used in this film, which <laughs> prior to recording the episode, we found out that uh, while well, this this movie is is scored by a gentleman named Les Claypool, the <laughs> third, who if you visit his IMDb page. The first piece, piece of trivia that pops up is not that Les Claypool. <laughs> he, yeah, he does the sound for like every anime you've ever seen in the West, or certainly yeah, of a certain basically. era. Every one so, of them. Prior, prior to this movie, Steve Wang, uh, in between Guyver films, he made another movie, and uh, shit that was called. Why am I blanking now? Uh, is it this um, Kung Fu Kids one or Kung? Yeah, no, Kung Fu Rascals. Rascals. Kung Fu Rascals. So in between the Guyver and Guyver Dark Hero in 1992, he made a movie called Kung Fu Rascals. And you know who's in Kung Fu Rascals? Les Claypool, the, the, the other one, not the third one, the Primus one. <laughs> so he's Steve Wang. He fulfilled his goal in life of working with all the Les Claypools, which is great. Uh. So uh, anyways, the, the, the Wang man's choice for a sound guy on this is just it's abysmal. So. Les Claypool's score, there is one song in Guyver Dark Hero, <laughs> and you will hear it every five minutes, and then it'll, it'll go away, and you'll be like, oh, maybe there'll be a new one next time. Uh-uh. Nope. Here it comes again. Same song. Same song. And it's, <laughs> even as a song, it's not a song. It's like a 10-second loop that they just play over and over and over and over again. Is, is Colin editing? The, who is editing this? Put the fucking song. Put the song right here. And if you, if Colin, if you're editing this and you're like, oh, what's the timestamp? How do I find the song? Turn on the movie. Just pick, pick a, a spot anywhere and wait just a minute and it'll just start blasting at you again. Now, the other thing that's amazing is 
anytime there is a Zoanoid on screen, we get our special Zoanoid noises. And I'm sure you're saying to yourself, what does a Zoanoid sound like? It is a combination of three stock sound effects, which if you followed my previous directions and you downloaded the free stock sound effect pack, they're in there. Um, the first one is a tiger kind of growling. Okay. And then an elephant noise. Oh, there's an and elephant my favorite, noise. <laughs> my favorite, yeah, is the cat meow. So all these things are tiger growl, tiger growl. And it's like meow. <laughs> That's every zoonoid fucking sound. And it's over and over and over and over and over again. There's no there's no difference. They don't change it's he just like made one zoonoid sound with those three individual sounds and he's like this is perfect i will only use this i just picture him with a, a giant like multi-layered six keyboard midi controller and he's got his finger on one button and it's just the zoonoid noise he's just banging it and then there's one other sound uh that you have heard in movies many many times before uh it is sometimes used for watching an actual airplane land in a movie, or sometimes they use it as a fun little transition if someone's like getting off of an airplane or getting onto an airplane in a movie. And it's that whooshing airplane noise. And every single time the guyver throws a punch or a kick, it's, it's like I'm fucking parked next to O'Hare and I got all the windows down. It's just... <laughs> Oh, that was another Abysmal. thing in the first movie, right? It had those like fun, like stupid comic book transitions, like that triangle mm -hmm. thing. I'm like, well, that's something. They were trying something uh, again. Like there was elephant noises in the first one too, because there was an elephant zoonoid. Uh, not just like the same generic shit, like slopped on everyone. <laughs> that's the other yeah. thing about these movies, actually, which I kind of forgotten until you mentioned. It, it's that like. Every time they want to explain zoonoids to people, they always have to say, like, werewolves and the Sasquatch. Those are, were actually <laughs> zoonoids. Like, that's the most incredible breakthrough plot idea you've ever heard. They, they explain that, like, ten times over between both. I think they use it in both movies. Uh, it's like, like, it, like, that was the pitch meeting thing, and they just carried it through into the movies as well. Because why not? Who could resist? Hmm. Uh, you would think like someone fucking walking around saying Sasquatch would be about the dumbest thing you could hear until they they say the word zoonoid. But uh, <laughs> oh, my, my God, what a fucking thing this is! Like you, uh, Steve, was you're insulting Mark Hamill, saying he's a, he's a great voice actor, but not much of a real actor. Well, I think we've we found an answer here with uh, old Solid Snake. I think there's a reason this man <laughs> went into voice acting because Jesus it's great, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> He's Again, another, another instance of like, I don't know, uh, Giver takes Giver Dark Hero takes one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> they're like, oh, boy, that lead actor in the last movie, he sucked. Let's bring in Solid Snake, who I don't know. He's he sucks a little less, baby. He sucks in a different way. Yeah, he's like know. doing shit like he's doing animation. He looks like fucking Ace Attorney out there doing these fucking ham <laughs> faces. That every last goddamn thing. Like, just looks lightly constipated for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, well, I think what we could say here is, you know, some, some faint praise for the Giver, but uh, Giver Dark Hero. 
maybe maybe don't and and yet another instance of where the the internet strongly disagrees with us a lot of people saying this is better than the original just as good as the original oh i love this movie when i was a kid uh it's just as good now no it isn't this is yeah i mean uh, this movie is on oh go uh, let let me just say this movie is on youtube if you 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 will not make it through no fucking chance unless you got some brain disease i think uh, the the advice like i would give for this is if you were at all interested in the guyver and you're like how bad could that be load up guyver 2 which as adam mentions is in its entirety on youtube go like fast forward like an hour and 50 minutes in because that's how far you have to go to get the final fight watch the final fight understand that is unequivocally the high point of the guyver duology or whatever and then determine from that if you want to watch any other part of it because none of it's that good everything no. else uh, sucks maybe we have the brain disease though because i mean myros was he was pulling youtube comments and uh, someone wrote uh, and got 40 thumbs up i might add someone wrote <laughs> i feel like the theme song is so underrated it's iconic and badass as hell yet not <laughs> talked about enough same with the uh the special uh, the, the sound effects i'm sorry uh the sfx the sound effects the clicks and whirs from guyver are amazing no, How? no, I'm telling did, did you. Did I watch a totally different movie? Yeah, that's what I. That's what I was gonna say. Is what, it, like you. You're gonna lose patience with this movie immediately. So entertain yourself by scrolling down to the comments because. Oh yeah. You'll lose faith in humanity, and, and, but you'll also get some chuckles because every fucking comment is like, "This is the greatest movie ever made. Why haven't they remade this thing yet? It's such an action-packed classic." I'm like, "What are you fuck? What is happening?" Well, YouTube <laughs> commenters straight edge mando says quote this movie just might have one of the most memorable and badass battle themes ever when it starts and goes on i still get goosebumps love this movie saw it as a kid thanks to my older brother does he have goosebumps for two straight hours this is 127 minutes long and that song just loops endlessly i think he's confusing uh, goosebumps with hives personally. hives yeah well it's straight edge mando i i guess like Fucking do drugs, man. Clearly, that's <laughs> something's wrong. Your your clean your clean lifestyle has rotted your brain. I don't know. I fucking hate Guyver Dark Hero. Oh, don't, it's, it's, it's it's terrible. It's it's no joke. Like it is bottom rung. Like I I can't th- think of many movies that just like bore and annoy me to the degree that this film does. It's a real treat. Real treat. Well. I think that's pretty much all there is to say about that. So, uh, Guyver Faithful, I guess, come at us <laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> come on, Straight Edge Mando. Let's 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 hear what you have to say, man. Uh, yeah. So, what what are you guys putting over this week, Myros? What are you putting over? Uh, I'm going back to YouTube here. Um, it's been a while since I've uh, recommended something from from the low culture, but there's uh, there's it's an interesting thing that happened a few months ago where these two sort of edgelord comedians who, who made their name on YouTube uh, are having a bit of a squabble and it resulted in this documentary that, well, it's a YouTube thing. So use documentary with, uh, with quotes, but it's uh, about an hour long. It's called getting away with it. It was made by internet edgelord who is now fancying himself a documentarian 
And he's finding his footing. He's not amazing at it, but uh, and it seems like his intent is questionable at times. Like it feels like he's picking subjects, kind of to punch down at. He he might not describe it as such, but that's kind of how it comes across at times. That would be one. I dubs TV, uh, and he made this uh, project about uh, a guy named Sam Hyde, who is a kind of an interesting figure uh he's he's kind of like the embodiment of the sort of uh we'll say like reddity zeitgeist this sort of uh, total black pilled sort of like who gives a fuck comedian who wants to say what he wants to say he had an adult swim show for a while that was like embroiled it it was canceled because it was uh, associated with the alt-right uh whether this man is actually he shares that he believes with the alt-right. I have no idea. I'm not that familiar with his comedy, honestly. But uh, it doesn't seem like it. He just seems to be one of these people who is antagonistic and disingenuous at all times about everything. And is just trying to get a rise out of anyone about anything. And yeah, so so this iDubbbz fellow figured he would uh, feature him. Try and get to know the real Sam Hyde and, and get a, a peek behind the curtain and uh, figure out what's the deal with this guy. And it turns out the entire thing was a setup by this Sam Hyde fellow. And he, he fabricated like every single aspect of his life that he was showing off to, to I dubs, uh, including like paying a woman to pretend to be his, his long-term girlfriend who was like a crack addict. And uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of fascinating. Uh, these people just, kind of fucking with each other and uh yeah it it, it really degenerates <laughs> it's it's quite tense and the point where this whole ruse gets revealed is uh it's, it's something it's called uh getting away with it you can search that on youtube uh i would suggest watching it it's, it's quite interesting all right jack what are you putting over this week that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I, I'm just going to put over the reason why I haven't been watching any other movies, which is uh, Elden Ring. Uh, I'm just addicted to it hopelessly. I'm running around in the world, fighting things, hitting with the sword, dying a lot. I don't know what I'm even supposed to do next, and yet I'm somehow not bothered by that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It is actually difficult, like people say it is. So, um, don't actually don't get it, because it really does cut into your free time. I'm I really need to get off this thing, but I can't. I'm nowhere near complete, so. Yeah, no more Elden Ring for you. Get back in the podcast, Minds. We're going to make you watch. <laughs> Just watch Guyver 2 a couple of more times. Yeah, we're going to watch the rest of Steve Wang's movies that aren't called Drive or Guyver for next week, so. Uh, which just means Kung Fu Rascals and nothing else. Uh, okay, yeah, this week I'm putting over, I'm putting over video game too. So I've been doing this thing where I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to play through all the Doom games. And I, I don't know why I wanted to do that, but, uh, you, I think it's cause I, I bought them as a package deal on the switch for really cheap. You just get all of them and it's like, oh yeah, it was like 20 bucks. And I was also thinking, I feel like we've, we've upset a lot of passionate fan bases on this episode. Uh, and who else could we upset? So why don't we upset Doom fans? I used to think Doom 2 was the best Doom video game. And I think now, I think Doom 2016 is better than Doom 2. It's better than all the Dooms. It's better than like all the Dooms combined. That's the best Doom. Doom 2016. Uh, also, Doom 3 is good. I think, that'll, I think that'll piss off Doom fans too, right? People don't like that one. Well, I think certain people like it. It's just, it's just not a very Doom Smart game. People. No. 
Uh, yeah, so that's that's the hottest of the hot takes. Uh, if if you haven't, you probably played Doom 2016. In 2016, play it again. It's fucking brilliant. And if you already played it, you already get the mechanics. So crank up the difficulty. Don't be a little baby about it. It's it's really fucking good. Uh, yeah, so I think that about wraps things up. If you enjoyed the show, uh, or if you didn't, do us a big favor and click on the link in the description. That'll take you to our Patreon page. And if you go there, well, you can give us money. And why would you give us money? Because podcasting is expensive. Do we look like we're made of money? Absolutely not. Uh, if you give us money, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts and written content from Optimus Vaccine contributors. And uh, if you give us enough money, you can choose what we do for an episode. You know, I really think someone should give $25 and make Adam Myros watch anime. It's super funny to watch him get mad at anime. So uh, please do that. Now, in addition to that, uh, at other tiers, you can, I mean, you can get your name read out on the air. And no matter what you give, whether it's two bucks or 25 bucks or whatever, you will get in the mail a special package from me assuming you live in the continental united states i'm going to send you a movie from my personal collection you have no idea what you're going to get i can tell you it won't be guyver dark hero because i don't own that shit but who knows what you'll get so keep that in mind at the very least give us money and it's like you're just buying a dvd of something you're completely unaware of it's it's like you, if you're a listener, you probably buy things from the vinegar syndrome sale. You're like, oh, I don't know what that is, but ha ha, I'm going to spend $20 on it. It's like that kind of, but you're just you're spending two bucks. You're getting a random movie. How great is that? Uh, other than that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, strong feelings about the Guyver series, you want to write us a 10 paragraph screed about how we're idiots for not getting the brilliance of Guyver Dark Hero. Uh, you can you could do that if you are a real Guyver head too. gosh, I should have put this over instead of a, a video game that's like six years old. Uh, there is a, a podcast. It's called the Important Cinema Club. Justin DeClos, friend of the podcast. He's been on in the Albert Pune episode and they actually interviewed Steve Wang. And it's it's uh, it's a good interview. So give that a listen. You can check them out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you listen to us, you probably already know who the fuck they are. So, uh, yeah, check them out. And uh, that'll, that'll about wrap things up, boys. Whoa.